Holy smokes, the snow is coming again. But I'm all set because, as I tell you every week, I have a garage full of wonderful steel products. S-T-I-H-L, battery, electric, and gasoline motor. I'm already set, though, because I'm going to have my wonderful battery-operated blower set to go. I don't need to shovel. I don't need to flex those muscles. I'm going to blow whatever snow comes away from the front door and out into the wild blue yonder. You can do the same thing by visiting one of 9,000-plus steel dealers around the country and find the nearest one for you. S-T-I-H-L, steeldealers.com. This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Brownman, the World Series. The baseball has been high level. And one of the things I noticed is that players have felt more freedom to come out of their shells. People, anybody just needs a little bit more fun, needs to break out. Drew and Julie talk college football, the NFL, and it's part two of Drew's visit with Vic Lombardi, who has a message for every man over 45. You're a man, 45 and over, by the way, and you haven't had a PSA. So it gives you an indication whether or not you might be uh, approaching um, critical levels uh, of having prostate cancer. I, I recommend highly that you get one done next time you're at your doctor. This is the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Brownman. We are at podcast number 67, the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Brownman. Drew, I know you mentioned in that steel commercial, snow, which I love. Are you ready? Um, I am getting more ready. Uh, here's the deal. It reminded me, Julie, of September 6th. And I remember the date, September 6th, right? I just said it. It snowed. Remember, we got a few inches of snow on September 6th. Oh, yeah. It was great. I don't know how great it was, but um, yeah, yeah, you know what? We, we're getting toward Halloween. Now is the time it usually snows. And I, I also looked at the extended forecast next week. It's supposed to be back up in the 70s at some point in a glorious weekend. So yeah. it's Colorado. I'm prepared. I told you I got my steel blower out already, so I'm, I'm rearing to go. Hey, before we get into the World Series and some baseball news, I was just curious what you thought about um, – this is a little bit of breaking news, I guess, in the sports world. The Pepsi Center – will not be the Pepsi Center any longer. Crocky Sports and Ball Corporation agreed to a deal. So is it going to be called the Ball? Well, it's Ball Corporation. And um, that. <laughs> listen, man, we're going down to Ball. What are you doing? We're going to Ball. You're going to go play hoop? No, we're going to Ball. We're going to go watch the Nuggets Ball. Um, yeah, you know, it's kind of uh, it's interesting. You can't call it the can anymore. I like I guess calling it the can. Though I did a little research on the Ball Corporation, Jules, mm-hmm. and it was founded in 1880 in Buffalo when it was known as the Wooden Jacket Can Company. So they do have a history with cans, oh. if you will. You know what I actually liked about it? I, I think just it being the Ball Corporation, there's going to be a lot of things that people want, snarky things that people have to say. We know this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do like that it's a Colorado company. I'm going to add that. It, they, they're based in Broomfield. They have over 18,000 employees worldwide. So uh, it's a Colorado company. Good for them. I, I'll be honest. Yeah. There are times now with name changes where I can't even recall the name. And I. it's not like they're paying us individually. If it's the home stadium, that's different. But when you go to visiting ballparks, for instance, uh, like in San Francisco, it was Pac-Bell. Then for years, it was AT&T. Yeah. And now they, they changed it a, a year ago, right? This this it year, it's, and I, I'm, I'm trying to remember what the heck it is. And it, 
And sometimes we, we kind of kid about that. The all-time great one, though, Julie, was down in Fort Lauderdale for years when the Marlins, before they finally built a downtown stadium, mm-hmm. they played at, I think most people remember it as Joe Robbie Stadium. Yeah. But that place had a new name every year. It was Landshark Stadium one year. It was Joe Robbie. I think it was like Dolphin Stadium because nobody you know, bellied up for a year or two. Right. Every year they had a new name. It was hysterical. Huh. Well, now we have the ball. I've heard it being yeah. called the sack too, but I will, we digress. Oh, has that already come out? Yeah, it did. <laughs> I think it's That's, kind of funny. Yeah. Okay. I don't, think, I don't think I'll be utilizing that on uh, <laughs> the airwaves. Hey, what do you think about the World Series so far? Again, we tape, uh, we're taping this on Thursday. So we have, we are through the World Series of two games. So we know that it'll change. But so far, I'm going to dig, Julie, I'm going to dig deeper than that. I'm going to go back and say the whole postseason has been outstanding. It has been a blast. I'm a baseball guy. Uh, I watch. Yeah, the Rockies aren't in there. We all wish they were in there. But the baseball has been high level. It's been entertaining. And one of the things I noticed as well is that players have felt more freedom to come out of their shells Remember earlier, Julie, we had some conversations about the unwritten rules of baseball. And I think it started this year when Fernando Tatis Jr., one of the great young talents we've seen in baseball in a long time, swung in a 3-0 pitch when they were already up six or seven runs and he hit a grand slam. And and that was like verboten. Well, we had a, a sports conversation almost nationally about that. And now you see bat flips. And it's not to show anybody up, but it's to bring some a little more color and emotion and fun into the game. And I'm seeing more players doing it. And guess what? I see pitchers celebrate after a big strikeout yeah. and it's okay. Nobody's gotten hurt. We don't have to have bean balls because somebody expressed themselves a little bit when, when they did something well or, or a moment happened in a game. I've witnessed that also during the postseason, And I think it's been good for the game in terms of trying to bring in some greater interest with the younger generations. You know, I don't know if this is reading too much into the situation, but you're talking about just players having more fun. I kind of feel like, is it maybe tied into where we kind of are as, I mean, I think people, anybody just needs a little bit more fun, needs to break out. I mean, maybe that's a little part of it, right? Like it's just been such a crazy time that when you get to celebrate or get to do something different, you do it. I don't know. I think there may be something there, but I think there's going to be carryover. I think it's going to be more acceptable going forward. I got something else. I don't know if you caught this. Do you know that that game seven between the Braves and Dodgers, which was a thrilling game, a one run game, was a wonderful series, that the rating on that was higher than any NBA uh, postseason game. Wow. Believe it or not. Huh. I read the material correctly. So, you know, baseball has had, they've pulled it off um, and it's been a a great run. Uh, The Dodgers are, you know, they're they're the, you know, the beast. They have a great roster. But look at Tampa Bay. Did you realize that they are 30th in payroll or last in payroll? And that's really low, Uh, which Good's a good, good's a good conversation. I think um, a lot of Rockies fans want to go. Okay, well then maybe that gives us hope. However, the Rockies they spend more money than I think than people think. But you, 
proving that you don't have to be a huge on one coast team, right? Yeah, the the Rockies are typically. I think this year they were eleventh in payroll. So you know they're almost in the upper third in payroll. It's it's not it, it's not about that. I mean the Rockies have always paid to keep their uh, for the most part to keep their big stars. The one that you know they couldn't keep was Matt Holiday, and they end up making a really good trade because they got Carlos Gonzalez and Houston Street back with Oakland in that deal. But they obviously bellied up to pay Nolan. They bellied up to play, you know, pay Charlie Blackman. Um, you know, they got out in front of, uh, you know, paying Herman Marcus. So I think Tampa is a great example because this isn't a fluke. Year in and year out, they're last in payroll. And year in and year out, Julie, they're winning 90-plus games in the division that maybe spends more money than any other top to bottom, the AL East. So what's the key to their success? They have done a really good job in developing pitching. Mm. And the sport has always and will always be about pitching. And they have a plethora of great arms down in that bullpen. Uh, They have really good starting pitching. Mm -hmm. And, I can't sit here and tell you how they do it and how they've uncovered guys. I'll tell you a story about a guy that went five and zero in the final month of the season for them, and and has done some decent things in the postseason. A kid by the name of Josh Fleming, uh, because he went to Webster University, which is a D three where my son Zach plays, and they're they're a power at that level. But this kid was drafted in the fifth round by Tampa. They saw something in him. And literally, he had a quick rise to the big leagues, and he's an effective back-of-the-rotation guy. So they they do their homework, and they have a really good reputation of developing pitching, and it's why they have been able to uh, stay not just competitive, but to you know be among the elite teams in baseball the last several years. What about managers and front office? Have they stayed pretty consistent, or have they made a lot of changes? No, Kevin Cash has been there like six years. The interesting thing about your question is that Andrew Friedman was the orchestrator of, you know, putting Tampa on the map and finding a lot of these players. And a lot of it has to do with scouts and and other guys. But, you know, he is at the head of that. He was at the head of that as the, you know, uh, VP of baseball operations with Tampa, uh, the the general manager, if you will. And then he was lured to L.A. Uh, for enormous dollars. I think he signed a five-year, $35 million deal to be basically the GM in L.A. So these two teams that are playing in the World Series, one was originally run by Andrew Friedman, and one is currently run by Andrew Friedman. Hmm. Another consistency I think that we're seeing that I, I guess I think has to carry over to the Rockies next year is – it sounds um, pretty easy to say, but um, hitting home runs usually is a good thing, right? And that's what we're seeing in the playoffs. Yeah, that's what we're seeing, Julie. It's a carryover from the regular season. Uh, I tweeted out last night or texted, I can't remember. The Dodgers are never out of a game. And it's it used to be, you know, you feared the guys that hit three, four, and five in a lineup. That, you know, those were the guys that, you know, may hit a home run, Right. Well, you look at that Dodger lineup. It's up and down the lineup. They Chris Taylor bats ninth for them most days. Uh, Chris Taylor hit eight home runs in the abbreviated regular season. He, he's hit home runs now in the postseason. Up and down that lineup, they're dangerous. And the Rockies 
were not a good offensive team this year. They weren't a great offensive team a year ago. They have guys with power, but that power has to play in games. And, you know, we'll see how it comes along with the Sam Hilliards and the Ryan McMahons of the world, guys that are really gifted. But when you watch this postseason, you watch Atlanta and up and down their lineup, they can be down three or four runs, and then instantaneously they're back in it or they take the lead because they have thump uh, pretty much one through nine. And that's kind of where the game has gone. So even though, I mean, we're watching the World Series and it's been a bit since we've seen the Rockies, there was a little bit of Rockies news today. At least we got to see the list of the Gold Glove nominees. Was there any surprises on there for you? There was one, and it's a positive uh, first of all, it's usually uh, a percentage of the vote is is with Sabre, which is, uh, you know, analytics and, and the various metrics that are used to um, trying to determine the, the best defensive players. And I've, I've had a lot of problems through the years with some of these defensive metrics because um, I, I, I think they are flawed. I still believe in what my eyes tell me with a guy defensively, if you're watching them day in and day out. So Charlie Blackman, who has been maligned by many of those metrics, and they're just relying on those this year as opposed to managerial votes, which they would normally do also uh, in, in the course of a 162-game season. So they're, they're relying um, almost exclusively, from what I understand on the metrics this year, on the different analytics – and Charlie Blackman was one of the four nominees, the four finalists, if you will, in right field. Hmm. And I thought Charlie was solid out there this year. Um, I, you know, it's not like I remember him going over the wall and right. uh, that sort of thing. But you know, I thought Charlie's a really good athlete, and he used to be, you know, looked upon as a real solid center fielder. And then the metrics, which are really unfair to outfielders at Coors Field because of how vast it is, uh, never really showed him as uh, an upper echelon guy. So I was, I was happy to see that. Nolan, naturally, no brainer. He's going to win his ninth straight gold glove. He deserves it. Anybody who watched the Rockies this year, even though he struggled offensively, uh, he was brilliant again defensively. Um, the one the one guy that that is often mentioned also as a potential gold glove winner or finalist, and he was a finalist last year, is Trevor Story at shortstop. Now, I love Trevor. I love everything about him. I think first and foremost, he's a great kid. Um, he, he works his tail off. He will, in my mind, win a gold glove, if not several, in his career. Mm-hmm. He does not deserve to be a finalist this year. And I think if he was sitting here with you and me right now, Julie, he would agree. He made 10 errors. And, you know, if you, you know, multiply that out, that computes to making 27 errors in a in 162 game season way too many he has great range he makes phenomenal plays mm-hmm. that left side between nolan and trevor is airtight i mean you you you'd be hard pressed to find two better guys on on the left side maybe in the history of the game but this year uh, trevor made some uncharacteristic throwing errors and you know on every, what we call everyday plays routine plays there were there were too many errors this year for him, to, in my mind, to be considered uh, one of the finalists for a gold glove. But he'll win one in the future, I guarantee you. 
Okay, so that's we're talking baseball in that segment. But when we come back from this break, let's dive a little bit into the NFL. We have some NFL takes, and some people like this wide receiver, and some people don't like this wide receiver, but we may very soon see this wide receiver play again. That's coming up next. The cold weather is starting to set in, and what better way to warm up than with a cup of Boyer's Coffee, the official coffee of Colorado Falls and winters since 1965. Visit boyerscoffee.com to have a freshly roasted bag shipped directly to your door. As we've been talking about right in the midst of the World Series with the Dodgers and Tampa Bay, so if you don't really care about either team but you do care about making money, well, then we have an idea for you. It's time for you to get in the game by playing on the Bet Monarch app. So easy to do. Just download the Bet Monarch app in the Apple App Store for Apple devices or on a Monarch Casino's website, monarchblackhawk.com for Android devices. And another really neat thing every wager will earn you comps for use at the Monarch Casino property up in Blackhawk, and they're continuing to enhance that property. It's a wonderful place to spend a night, spend a weekend. Make sure you head on up there. Uh, if you can't get up there, though, you can wager 24 uh, 7 on the Monarch, Bet Monarch app. It's that simple. So make sure you download the Bet Monarch app and you're in the game. All right, Julie, I've been watching the NFL. You want to know why I've been watching the NFL? Ask me. No, I love the NFL, and I love football in general. And I've been watching some college football. I I, can't get caught up in what teams aren't playing, what teams get postponed. It is what it is. It's 2020. We know. Uh, I watched Alabama and Georgia last week, and Alabama does what they always do. Georgia's really good. They're really talented. It's a good football game for about three quarters, and then Alabama pulls away like they always do. So they – uh, that that was impressive. Mm-hmm. But going back to the NFL, one of the things that seems readily apparent to me is that there are a few good teams, really good teams. Tennessee, really good team. Uh, Green Bay, despite losing at Tampa and, and not playing well, I think Green Bay, you know, is a really good team. There there are a couple of other teams. Seattle, I think, is is a really good team. Uh, they don't have a great defense, but they have a wonderful offense. Pittsburgh again. Good team. What do you think about the Chiefs? Are they on this list? Uh, you, I'm sorry, did I leave them out? Mm-hmm. I think the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are a good team. Uh-huh. All right. I think there are a lot of bad teams, and I'll start with the team I continue to follow. They're playing tonight as we tape this podcast on a Thursday against the Eagles. In the it used to be the NFC East was the cream of the crop in in the NFL. The NFC East should be relegated to like you know, NAIA level. <laughs> terrible right now, with all due respect to all you NAIA athletes. Uh, but the Giants are god-awful. They try hard, but I don't, I don't know what the heck they're doing there. And It's been year after year. The Jets may be worse, right? Yeah. There's some flat-out bad teams in the NFL. And our Broncos are, are probably in that middle class. And is it a good thing to be in the middle class? Or are you better off as people like to say now, tanking and trying to get high picks to turn it around. Because if if you're decidedly middle class, you're probably just treading water. So I think in the middle is a really bad spot because I don't think there's any incentive to, uh, you know, if you're really bad, there's a lot of incentive to get better because there's a lot of jobs that are going to be lost or you're going to get a pick. 
if you're really good, then you're, you know, vying for a playoff spot in the middle, I feel like it's, is the worst place to be. Um, and I feel like teams live in the middle for a long time. You know what I mean? Um, because they're getting kind of mid range picks and at least like, you know, you see some teams kind of switch it around if they get multiple high round picks year after year after year. Um, I, 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 if the Broncos this year, like the worst thing to me is like an eight and eight, a seven and nine, even a six and 10, nine. And yeah, I don't know. You know what I mean? It's just, it's kind of the land of blah. It's, it's never a good place to be. You're you're either close to getting to the top and, and you legitimately, you know, feel like you're a couple players away or you're, you're probably, going to be in mired in, in mediocrity for, for a long time, unless you're pretty close. So it, it, it's dangerous, but I think the NFL has a smaller middle class and a lot of bad teams, you know, Miami, I didn't mention, you know, they, they've actually gotten off to a decent start this year and they're making a quarterback change amazingly. Uh, but th- there's, there's just teams that they don't get any better. You know, I guess it's taken Cleveland a long time. They're finally getting better, and then they they sat Baker Mayfield for a bit last week. But uh, it's good theater. It's good that we're talking about it. It's good that we have the NFL to watch, and we'll continue to watch it. And um, hopefully the play gets better and more consistent um, for the teams that are mired in middle class right now, like the Broncos. So we teased this before the break. I feel like Antonio Brown is very polarizing. Uh, he's very talented, but I tend to get a little tired of his act. So um, I'm not a huge fan, I think. But you know what? There's always somebody that's going to take a chance on him, and there's a team now that's going to take another chance on him. Talent, unfortunately, always seems to trump behavior in sports. And there's this notion, it's an egotistical notion with organizations and we see it in every sport that oh get him in our culture and he'll be okay i think there's only been one nfl culture over the last 20 years where you could say even a bad guy is going to mind his p's and q's typically if he goes there and that's because year in and year out they were the super bowl contender or super bowl winner and we're talking about new england under bill belichick right i mean that one has worked out. But in the case of Antonio Brown, couldn't play for Mike Tomlin, who's a very you know, well Hall of Fame coach. Yeah. He went to New England and he, what, he played like one game there. Uh, he has dealt with you know, an investigation after an accusation of sexual misconduct at his home uh, dating back to 2017. He's pleaded uh, no contest uh, this summer to a felony burglary with battery charge and two lesser uh, misdemeanor charges related to a January incident with a moving truck company outside his home in Florida. Yes, he's talented. But at what point do you say, you know what, I don't want to have anything to do with that. And, you know, as we tape tonight, Antonio Brown is rumored to have a number of teams interested because of his talent, including Seattle which is a really good team, particularly offensively. Russell Wilson is friendly with Brown. Uh, Geno Smith, the backup quarterback, uh, is good friends with Antonio Brown. And it just shows you that if, if you can play sports, we kind of 
you know, sometimes cover our eyes and give guys a second, third, and fourth opportunity. And I don't know anything. I've, I've never met Antonio Brown. I've seen him play like we all have. Good player. But it, it, it always comes back to we'll get him in our culture. And then when the guy does something that ticks you off or you have to let him go, why, why are we not shocked as a public and yet these teams seemingly keep making the same mistake? I think it's um, I think it's okay to almost guarantee that we'll be hearing something negative about Antonio Brown again. I think I would feel like if I was going to bet my mortgage, I would bet on that. I don't know what it is, but I just don't think – I mean, he's he's been – pretty consistent in getting trouble and getting in trouble, whatever that is. I just, I wouldn't bet that um, he would stay trouble free. Would you? Uh, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a gambler, but um, the odds at the Monarch Casino, I think would support that statement you just made. One guy that we know that doesn't get in too much trouble. I'll say too much trouble is our friend Vic Lombardi. We heard from Vic in your interview last week, part one. This is part two of that interview that you did, Drew, with Vic. And this gets a little bit more serious. Um, pretty public knowledge that Vic had prostate cancer. And he talks very openly about it in part two of that interview. I don't think there's any question. I don't think you'll quibble with this, that this is not only the most exciting team, but the most talented team that realistically has a shot um, and probably several shots over the next few years to potentially be the last one standing. And even those teams that, that you followed closely and, and I did as well with Alex and Fat and the, and the one team that got to the Western Conference Finals where, you know, Doug famously, Doug Moe famously said, we got no shot. And, and, and he, was, he, he wasn't trying to be uh, – you know, Lou Holt, who you know a little bit about being from Notre Dame, he wasn't trying to make, you know, St. Mary's Catholic School, um, the University of Texas in their heyday. He legitimately said, we have no shot against the Lakers. But the, the team you cover now, they're legitimately good. They are. And, and, and I say that, and I also recognize, Drew, they still need to, to add a piece or two. And, and it doesn't have to be a major piece. I'm not saying they have to go out and you know, bring in Giannis or something. But they need to do some tweaking, and everybody has an opinion on what they need to do. But I think if they stand pat and don't do anything, I'm not sure if that's going to be enough. Now, they don't like us spec- speculating on personnel and all that, but that's just me, the fan, telling you that. When I saw them in, in the uh, Western Conference Finals this year, it was pretty obvious, judging from what we saw, uh, some toughness, uh, almost like a, and Nikola Jokic's bodyguard. You can never have enough shooting either. I mean, shooting is at a premium in the NBA, but somebody who can hit that open three because it's become a three-point lead. Heck, you remember in the 80s, Drew, if a team attempted eight, nine threes a game, it was a lot of threes. Today, a guy will attempt one player eight, nine threes, a half. It's nothing. The game has changed so much. And shooting is so important. You can never have enough of it. That's why I think the Nuggets need one more guy who can put it in the bucket. I, I would agree with you. You, you need an, at least another perimeter shooter. And then a full season of Murray playing at the level he did in the playoffs because he emerged in that bubble as really a, a true you know, emerging superstar. And you really, to be fair, would not have said that about him prior. Yeah, you know, I sent him a message after it's all said and done. I never like to bother players. I'm, you know, I'm not friends with players. I'm, I'm an old man right now, and and, and I, I'm, I'm friendly with players, but 
I always like to maintain some sort of friendly relationship, and I sent him a congratulatory text, congratulatory text afterwards, just saying how how um, proud of him I am, and, and he really emerged as a stud after what he did. And and he sent back and he said, "We're only going to get better. Just watch, watch how much better we'll be." And that sort of got me excited, to be honest with you. The the other thing about it too, Vic, even when I was doing the Nuggets for for the decade decade I did them, there were some teams that were good and they weren't fun to watch. And then there were teams like the Phoenix Suns that were good and they were fun to watch. And there's a difference. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, and, and it starts with Jamal and, and Joker. I mean, how can you not have fun watching Nikola Jokic play basketball? He is so um, unique. And that's probably the best way to say it. There's nobody else like him, and he doesn't play at the pace that most players play. And I think that's what makes him so tough to defend because opposing defenses don't know what to expect. All right, I'm going to ask you to look in your basketball crystal ball. Three years from now, you and I are shooting the shit on this podcast. Michael Porter is who in the league? Michael Porter in three to four years, well, uh, he better be among the top ten scorers in the league because I think he has the potential to be that in three to four years. Now, consider this. Jamal Murray's been in the league now. This was his fourth year. And he's 23 years old. All right, Jamal Murray is still a young man, very young. And it took him three, four years to emerge. Uh, it may take Michael Porter Jr. three, four years. So at the age of 25, he will be a top 10 scorer, a consistent top 10 scorer. That's where I see him, barring any injury knock on wood. Yeah, I, I, I can't disagree with that. I mean, he has really phenomenal ability. And now you have a another guy who's in that 6'10 range, Vic, who – can shoot the basketball. I mean, we talk about Kevin Durant, and and, yeah. and now now there's a, a bunch of guys that they're an impossible cover. Six ten used to mean you played in the paint. That was it. Maybe you shot an elbow jumper. Now we have guys like Porter who are who are freaky in the open floor, but you better cover them out to twenty five feet. It's crazy, isn't it? How much the game has changed. At the same time, though. I think what's happening is, you know, we live in this Twitter world. We live in this instantaneous, immediate world, and we want our young players to be great right away. Heck, two months ago, people were saying, before Jamal made his push in the playoffs, people were saying, why did they pay him the max? He's not worth the max. He's a bust. He's not going to be worth the max. Now people are saying, of course he's worth the max. So we want our kids, we want our players microwaved. Uh, you watch Miami and the, and the rookies they threw out there this year. And those kids, they played right away, and they played on the spotlight and performed. And we all want every guy to do the same. Everybody develops at a different rate, Drew. You know it. You've seen it. It may take Michael Porter Jr. a couple more years than most would think, but the potential, it's there, man, and it is awesome. Yeah, the, the analogy I would make is to our kids. You have three. I have three. And – all of all of our kids, whoever's listening out there as well, they all come to wherever they're going to be at at different rates of speed, at different times, and it doesn't matter if they all come from the same household. Well, it's the same thing with an athlete. And I thought you made a wonderful point about Jamal Murray in that you forget most of these guys who are lottery picks are one and done guys, and they're teenagers when they come into the league. Forget about just playing the game. All the peripheral stuff they have to deal with. And they're hanging around not other 19 and 20-year-olds. They're hanging around oftentimes guys who are 28 and 30 or 35 and, and have children and, and you know families. and you know, It's just different. 
We'll have more with Vic Lombardi and our conversation in a moment. But first, uh, this from Ideal Home Loans. I've been involved with them for a long time, and they are a special group of people led by Brent Ivinson. I have recommended to Brent and his team a number of people through the years, and they all are ecstatic after dealing with uh, Brent and his club because they will get you the best product. They'll save you the most money on your mortgage, on consolidating debt, or refinancing. It's very simple. Just give Ideal Home Loans a call, 303-867-7000, 303-867-7000, Ideal Home Loans. One more time with the number 303-867-7000. Now more with Vic Lombardi. This just hit me, and I've, uh, I've gone through this before. You know the biggest difference between what we do as media, you know, broadcasters, media, journalists today versus yeah, 10, 20 years ago. The difference is this. Social media has changed everything. 20 years ago, if a local athlete, if Von Miller, um, if Jamal Murray want, wanted to get his word out, he'd have to go through the media. You know, camera in his face, a writer penning something, writing something, radio interview. Today, a guy like Von Miller, a guy like Nolan Arenado, and I know Nolan's not a social media type, but if you were, they don't need the media. They have enough of a following. Now, Von Miller has enough following on his social channels more than any uh, local channel combined, any audience combined. They don't need local media to get the word out. I think that's the biggest change out of anything. Yeah, that that and, and of course, the dark side of – of social media. And it kind of leads me to a question I wanted to ask you, because I do want to talk to you about the Broncos. But uh, since you went there, what bugs you the most about our business today, what we do, the coverage of sports? What what bothers you the most? There's too much of it. That's what bothers me the most. There, there, are, too, there are too many voices. I get lost in the voices. I get lost in it's like a cornucopia of voices, and, and I don't know where it stops. It, it's an echo chamber, um, and that's what Twitter is, and I get it. In what we do for a living, uh, people go, why do you do Twitter? Why do you do Twitter? Well, I sort of need Twitter. It's, it's informational for me. You know, <laughs> do I enjoy it? Yes. Am I sort of addicted to it? Yes. But I can't just turn it off. It's, it's almost like my AP wire back in the 80s when you went to the AP wire and needed to see what's going on. That's what it is for me. But there are so many voices. There are so many sources. There are so many different medias that I I don't know what's what anymore. I think that's the biggest problem. I I don't know what you think. Um, I I do think it it surrounds social media. I do think that um, we fall into the trap of having to comment on everything and having to, because we have to fill up so many different forums, whether it's on social media or television or radio, and it's one of the reasons that uh, I'm, I enjoy doing this deal of podcast where I can have a, a long interview type conversation with someone like yourself. And and it doesn't there's no time frame. But when I was doing sports talk radio, for instance, I was over having to comment for the 30 second straight day on who the Broncos may take in the fifth round. I mean, it's it's, it's mind numbing. Listen, if we're going to go there, and you just did, you know, I, I worked for the same station you worked for, and I loved my time there. But when people tell you that that's, that's the programming that people want and that's the programming that drives ratings, that you have to talk about the same subject matter, you can have it. You, Drew, you, you can have it. I can't yep. do it. I, I I'm, I'm, not, 
I'm not a robot. I cannot talk about the exact same topic I've talked about for the last 75 days because that's boring to me. It doesn't challenge me. And I think it's an insult to the listener when you try to tell the listener in Colorado what you think they think should be the, the lead story or the t- big topic. It should be whatever's happening. To me, the beauty of sports is what, what happened last night? What, what did the water cooler tell us? What did you watch? What did you see? Well, let's talk about it. Let's, let's dig in deep. That should be sports talk radio to me. Not some self-programmed, consultant-driven, let's talk about this as much as we can because the numbers dictate people will listen. That's a bunch of hogwash in my book. Yeah, I, I've never bought the research. Uh, I can tell you a quick uh, anecdote. I'll, I'll leave personnel out of it. This person who said what I'm about to say is a good guy. Uh, but we were we were about a week away from opening day when I was still at the fan. Uh, and granted, I, you know, do I have a bias because I'm doing the Rockies? Certainly. But I, but I also, as you know, have a great appreciation for the Avalanche and the Nuggets and, and all sports. And You're a sports fan. I'm a sports right. I, lo- I mean, I, I've been fortunate to cover a lot of things, tennis and World Cup skiing, et cetera. Anyhow, we're two hours into the show, so it's not like I opened with it. Keep in mind, the, the Rockies opened in, in like seven days, and I, and I was just back from spring training. So I opened up the like the two o'clock hour with something about, hey, I caught up with so-and-so and something about the Rockies. Well, one of the minions came down the hall from the program director and, and in the commercial break said, hey, so-and-so uh, does not want you to talk about the, uh, the Rockies anymore today. And it's not like there was other major stories going on. I mean, the Bronco, the draft was still, you know, four weeks away, that type of thing. Anyhow, so I go down the hall and I said, what's up with that? And he said, no, uh, I, no, no Rockies talk now. I said, the Rockies open here in, in a week. And I didn't open the show, et cetera. And he said, well, maybe the day before opening day, we can do something. That was it. That's when I knew I was. I'm, I'm getting out. Um, this, it's you know, it's not, it's not where I want to be. Well, again, um, different stations have different uh, philosophies, and I, I'm not going to knock it for them because it's worked for them, obviously, in the numbers. But I, I don't necessarily believe in the numbers, and I think there are enough people who are uh, uh, well-rounded, sophisticated sports fans who uh, laugh at such. Uh, I mean, I, I, I'm a sports guy. I'm not a sport guy. Sports guy. That's what I do, plural. Yep. And, and and until someone tells me otherwise, I'm going to continue to be a sports guy. And, and I understand that the first team here, uh, it was the Broncos. And I understand the appeal of football in this town, in every town in America, particularly uh, the Broncos and how engaged people are, even casual sport fans um, are all in when it comes to Sundays and the Broncos are playing. I get that. I appreciate it. I understand it. Um, but it does not mean that is people's singular focus. Yeah, and again, I, the only the only problem I have with is, is don't don't insult me and tell me what you think I want to hear. Don't do that to me. I want to hear what is making the news, what people are talking about and discussing out there, not what you think is important. That's it. Hey, Vic, um, more importantly than any of this, and, and you um, had fought a battle uh, and you made it very public um, with prostate cancer. And, and most importantly, how are you doing right now? And to tell us where you are. 
Thanks for that, Drew. I'm, I'm doing great. Uh, I mean, here we are. We're doing this interview in October, and I did, I'm a month removed from my last uh, checkup, my PSA. I go every three months to get my PSA. And if you're a man, uh, 45 and over, by the way, and you haven't had a PSA uh, in television terms, that's a public service announcement, but in uh, prostate cancer terms, it's a, a PSA exam. That, uh, it's a blood test. It's really simple, and it uh, gives you an indication whether or not you might be uh, approaching um, critical levels uh, of having prostate cancer. I, I recommend highly that you get one done next time you're at your doctor. It's just a simple test. You can get it with all your other blood testing. Uh, just add it to the bunch, and it'll give you a quick indication of where you stand. Uh, prostate cancer is the second leading cause of death among males in the United States of America. One in nine of us will have prostate cancer at some point. I happened to get mine uh, at a young age when I was 49, and it is getting younger. This this used to be an old man's disease. Everybody thinks, you know, prostate cancer. Oh, yeah, it's for the old guys, 70, 80. Not, man, I've, I've met some dudes 37 years old, 42 years old, 46 years old, so uh, I, I really ask each of you, if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't uh, scheduled a physical yet, please include a PSA test while you're there because it could save your life. It saved mine. Absolutely. Well put, and, and I'm thrilled you're doing well, uh, more important than everything else. Are you glad, uh, Vic, that you made the change, that, that you went from uh, from Channel 4 over to, to Altitude and, and uh, involved in games on a day-to-day basis? I am glad. Uh, now, I wish we were watched uh, by every viewer in town. Uh, I'm not glad that, you know, we're not on Comcast, and uh, I'm no longer in the blame game on who's to blame. You know, you've been in this business long enough. Well, you, there's nothing I can do about that. Yeah, that's, that's big boy business. I, it, you know, you just want to be seen, right? You, you, wanna, you put work on the air. Your teams are out there. You want to be seen by the biggest audience possible. So uh, the only criticism, the only gripe I have is I wish they'd get that all figured out. I hope that all the teams in town, uh, that the fans have access to those teams, because that's all you can ask for. Otherwise, it's a way to tie. If the teams are playing well, if the teams are producing, make sure that the fans can watch them. And that's all I ask, is hopefully it gets figured out real quick. Yeah, it says, I like to say, we are the last bastion of true reality television. Yeah, we are. We are. It'll never, you know, that you're exactly right. It'll never go away. There's no other form of television where you start the event and you don't know how it finishes, or every other thing is sort of staged at this point. We, in sports, are not staged. That's why people watch. Hey, Vic, you've had a great run. You're going to have a continued uh, great run. And uh, I appreciate the time uh, tonight hooking up. And uh, stay well, my friend. Drew, thank you very much. Flattering to hear from you. And thanks for the call. You know how much I respect your work, man. Appreciate it. You got it, man. Have a great week. All right, buddy. That interview brought to you by Ideal Home Loans. And Drew, I did see, I know you guys talked about him when he was diagnosed with prostate cancer and the importance of getting checked. Vic is one of the hardest workers I've ever seen in this business. Has crazy amount of energy and always out covering something, watching something, tweeting about something. The guy was doing it. I did see, I think a lot of us saw in the business, um, it forced him to kind of slow down and take a breath. And I think when you talk to him, you realize that um, Vic is, is much more comfortable with stopping and, and smelling the roses. Not that he doesn't work extremely hard because he still does, but it was interesting to see um, that in Vic. And I actually think that, that there is a silver lining in things like that. I do. Yeah. Well, not, not surprisingly, you know, Vic met it head on mm-hmm. and, 
Uh, I think anytime you have a life altering situation, it is going to make you pause. It is going to make you appreciate. But I think Vic is somebody I don't know him, uh, you know, as, as well as you do. Obviously, we I've known him for years, but, it, you know, we, we've never just we, we did different things. So there was never an opportunity to spend a great deal of time, you know, off television, if you will, together. But, you know, we, there, there's mutual respect. And, and I think, um, you know, I, I've always appreciated his work ethic. And I do think just knowing Vic a little bit that he, he has always appreciated um, the great things in life and in family. Mm-hmm. And that comes across. And I think certainly it was heightened by what he has gone through. And, and the other thing I want to make mention of and this is typical of Vic, and, and this helps everybody out because for men, especially, um, so many people deal with you know prostate cancer, unfortunately, at some point in their life. And, and Vic, uh, like Jack Corrigan, who, who we know, you know, have been uh, upfront and, um, and and telling their story and getting information out there. And I guarantee you, there've been many men who said, you know what, I got to go get checked. And perhaps they wouldn't have, had they not heard from a Vic or from a, you know, from a Jack Corrigan. So uh, they're helping out their, their fellow, you know, members of the community as well. And I think they'll be doing that for years and years to come for sure. So, um, okay, well, Drew, you enjoy the snow this weekend. I'm headed to Palm Springs tomorrow. Please ask me what the uh, forecast is. I know there's no snow involved. So what's the forecast, Julie? Is it going to dip under 93? It's going to be 91. 91. Are you going with girlfriends? It's a girlfriend. Yeah, we girlfriends. We um, we rented a house in Palm Springs and I've seen pictures and I think all we're going to do is lay there. So wow. how long are you there for? Just two nights. What's the, what's the likelihood that you have a headache on the flight home? <laughs> 100%. A hundred percent. So we can't even lay. So, so if I want to lay a hundred, to, to win a hundred bucks, I have to lay like $10,000. Exactly. You know me well. Right. Or if you not to have a headache. Okay. Right. Exactly. Or, or that you will have a headache, whatever. You understand what I mean. Okay. Uh, Julie, have a wonderful time and we'll be digging out. Um, I don't think it's going to be that bad. It'll be fine. It's Colorado. Everybody have a safe weekend. Enjoy. Thanks for joining us once again on our podcast. And we'll talk to you next week with another special guest.